Suburban Misfit. I'm your host, Shannon, a hippie-ish chick stuck in middle suburbia, here to help you navigate your higher spiritual life in a consumer-driven world. Join me for discussions on practical applications of holistic ideals. Hey, hey, all my misfits. My name is Shannon, and I'm your host here on The Suburban Misfit. And today I have a very special guest with me. It is my nephew, Troy Thompson. And he is here with me today to talk about some of the things that are going on with the George George Floyd protesting, as well as the racial inequality that is so profound here in our country. Troy, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just got my day started, and uh, uh, I'm happy to be on with you. How about yourself? Yeah, me too. Thank you. I'm good. I'm so glad you're here with me today because I definitely wanted to get your perspective and and just you know let you let you speak. So, um, where would you like Thank to you. start? I know this is a heavy, heavy, heavy issue. And it so- it is. And and first, I'd like to say that. You know, we could sit here for 20 hours and barely scratch the surface on this entire subject. Um, so I'm sure we won't get all the way through it within an hour. But mm-hmm. um, that's what I like to say. You know, you can't fix uh, hundreds of years of a problem uh, with a five-minute solution or, in this case, a one-hour solution. So, you know, I just exactly. like to say that, you know, everybody wants to just use just a a broad stroke or like a one slice fix all kind of approach. And that's really not it. There's, there's so much um, to deal with. There's so much that there's so many things that are wrong. And um, that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing um, uh, as, uh, as Malcolm X once said, the chickens coming home to roost. It was very exactly. controversial when he said that, uh, but it's it, it was a lot of facts to it. And, um, you know, people are, are treated, you know, on both sides, um, you know, whether, no, no matter your color, uh, Americans are, we're, we're under a, um, under a classist uh, type of oppression. So it just so happens that a, a great deal of those poor people are black. Now, obviously the numbers are that, that there's more poor whites than black than blacks, but uh, that's not what I'm, what I'm hitting on here. So people have been oppressed for so long. And for, for the instance, for instance, like the, uh, the subject of healthcare, mm-hmm. um, if you're rich, you have healthcare. So you're not worried about healthcare. Um, if you're poor, you either have mediocre health care or none at all. So you have a, acute care at the emergency room, and that's about as far as it goes, you know. And some countries don't have that, so they tell us uh, um, that we should be happy that we even have that. Um, but a lot of the problems that we have um, in America are, um, are problems of class. And... <clears throat> and class discrimination and um, 
um, it's a it's a fight over resources, which goes back to the beginning of time. Um, uh, that that people when people feel that they're not getting what they deserve, you know, you could take just uh, a watering hole, for instance. If if somebody gets blocked from that watering hole to get fresh, clean water, uh, you know, they might sneak around for a while and try to get some water out. They might, you know, they might they might pray about it they might make a write a song about how thirsty they are but eventually they're going to knock the person over the head that's stopping them from getting the water um so what what i'm saying is uh right now a lot of a lot of looting rioting um there in very small towns even in illinois around because i'm just south of chicago here um, mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that um, a lot of a lot of the people that are looting and rioting aren't doing it in the name of um, of Ahmad Aubrey or um, or the brother jo George Floyd who was murdered. Um, mm -hmm. They're doing it because it's an opportunity, and they are just pissed off. And they're like, "Okay, if somebody else is doing it, I'm going to go get it too." So there's a lot mm -hmm. of there's a lot of disorganization. The 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 people aren't uh, organized. Definitely not organized. They're being reactionary, and and that's that can be a that can be a huge problem. But the underlying anger is justified. You know that. You know the the way you feel uh, um, is justified. So um, a quick story. Uh, um, when I was a kid. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I was sitting down at the table with my family and uh, we were eating chicken with mashed potatoes and peas. And I'm sitting at the table and all the food got served. I looked over at my brother's plate who was four years older than me. Maybe he was nine and I was five or something like that. And I noticed that he had more peas than me. So I said, why does he have more peas than me? And then my father, very calmly, as I remember it, said, if you want, when you finish those and you can have some more. I couldn't do it. I just started bawling, crying because I just didn't, I couldn't stand to see him have more peas than me. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of the thing in America um, that people are angry because other people have more peas than them. And, mm -hmm. and they feel like they're working just as hard to get those peas. They're working just as hard, yes, to get those peas. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's like uh, they, they tell you, work hard, you know, keep your head down, save some money, and eventually you'll be rich. That's just that's like the, the biggest lie there is, you know. Even yeah. if you saved, if you're making, if you're making 30000 a year, even if you saved, a half of your income, that's only 15 grand a year. Uh, 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 in 10 years, you're still not rich. You got 150 grand, which is great. I, I'd be very impressed if somebody did that. But typically, you're spending more than 100% of your income just on getting by. And, 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 mm -hmm. and even if that's 50,000 or 75,000, whatever your combined household income might be, uh, the average person is spending more than what their total income is so you're you're um you're supplementing with credit and 
uh, um, borrowing money or or um, mm-hmm. government subsidies and things like that. So yeah, right. Well, many of us don't even own what we have. Right, we absolutely. On credit. Yeah, most definitely. Hey, can you tip your camera down just a little bit? Yeah, sure. Hold on. So I can see you. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Hold on. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's all right. Okay. Yeah. So, like, where do we even start? I mean, it feels like there's just so many layers to it, and, and it feels so frustrating to try and figure out, you know, how it can be rectified because, you know, it's, it's 400 years of this been going on. Right. Yes. And the only way we're going to make changes is to start small because you can't just, I mean, you could completely dismantle the entire constitution and start all over, but the chances of that happening and of, you know, an entire new revolution happening is probably not going to happen. So where can people start small? Like what are the top three things that we can do to start to elicit change? Well, I believe that, um, the the first thing to do is um, to really ev- do some self evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very important. Uh, self evaluation, then doing research, and then taking action. Mm-hmm. Um, so you self evaluate. Um, obviously, that's a pretty common term. Um, just to see where you're at. You know, if you uh, if you read the autobiography of Malcolm X and you find everything that he's saying a little bit crazy, uh, then you probably haven't arrived yet, um, mm-hmm. and you really need to make some paradigm shifts. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, like uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Malcolm X says, here's a quote from Malcolm X. If you stick a knife nine inches into my back and pull it out three inches, that is not progress. Even if you pull it out all the way, that is not progress. Progress is healing the wound and America hasn't even begun to pull out the knife. Mm. So, you know, uh, everybody wants to make him out to be a bad guy. Uh, and and he's violent and all of these things and but everything he said, you know, he probably has some some things that make people clutch at their pearls or whatever. But even even those more brutal things that he said are valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even when he was uh, uh, speaking about violence and things like that, they were valid. At what point? At what point are you supposed to hit back? Right. You know, if some, if so, you know, if somebody says um, you send your kid to school and you say, you know, don't don't be fighting now. You know, uh, if if somebody hits you, tell the teacher. Okay, I've told the teacher a hundred times this kid keeps hitting. Me. At what point am I supposed to punch him in the mouth? You know, exactly. at some point, you know, probably not the first time, probably not the second time, but the fifth time, the tenth time. You keep telling mm-hmm. the teacher, and nobody. You had. You might have to take action into your own hands. 
So right. with that with that said, you know, um, I suggest um, also once you self-evaluate and, and there's definitely a lot of other things you can do to do that. Um, if you can't understand their anger, people's anger that are rioting and, and actually, you know, looking at, looking at people going in stores and stealing stuff and, and, and looting that might, uh, make people disgusted like why are they i mean i, I mean it, not, not that it might it definitely does makes a lot of people disgusted and uh myself included okay but i understand i give them a pass i give them a pass with their behavior because i understand it okay it's not what it really is it's putting a gun to the head of capitalism is mm -hmm. saying, look, you don't, if you don't give us what we want. And now, like I said earlier, uh, a lot of those people aren't organized or aren't even doing it in the name of justice. They're just out there still and stuff. But the overall action that's being taken is putting a gun to the head of capitalism. And it's saying, if you, if you don't uh, budge, if you don't, make some changes if you don't give us what we want what we need if you don't treat us like human beings we're going to pull the trigger and 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 this is just a threat and the police the police have really no i've for the first time in my life seen police utterly powerless i mean i've seen riots before but this one is just so far stretched across the the nation and mm -hmm. um uh, uh, to see people, to see the, the police utterly powerless because the numbers don't add up. There's 370 million um, approximately people in America. There's, uh, what, um, 3 million cops or something like that. I, I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't look that number up, but it's definitely, you know, you can't, there's no. Yeah, it's definitely not balanced. Definitely not that much. Not even close. It's, it's maybe maybe, yeah, maybe one to a hundred people, one cop to a mm -hmm. hundred people or something like that. So they're powerless. And when the, when we're in a state of unrest, there's really nothing that local law enforcement can do about it. And, and even so, even the military, you know, there, there's a uh, 2 million people in 3 million in the military. I'm not sure. Uh, I looked it up a few weeks ago, but definitely not 370 million. So they would have to take some really violent acts towards the people and, that would just make things worse. But mm -hmm. okay, so uh, self-evaluate. Be able to see, be able to put your feet in their shoes. Even those people who are mindlessly looting, even those people who are you, you look at and you say, oh my God, why is he doing that? This is not help. Being able to even say, I get why you're mad. Yeah, your actions might not be the best, but I get why you're mad. If yeah. you can do that, now you you you're you started. You started. You you're you're in yeah. a good place. You're you've had a good start. So self evaluation, um, and then doing research. You know, um, we all we all uh, we all think we know everything, um, mm -hmm. myself included, right? We all think we know everything, especially smart people. Um, and I'm, I know I'm going to butcher this quote, but um, um, I believe it was Neil deGrasse Tyson said. Uh, uh, 
the hardest thing uh, about uh, the hardest thing about it's really hard. Uh, what do you say? It's really hard to when you know enough about a subject to think you're right, but mm-hmm. not enough about the subject to know you're wrong. So, you know, a lot of times we think we're right we, and we know so much that there's no way to say, oh, wait a minute, you know, wh- whether it's physics like Neil deGrasse Tyson or it's a subject like race and, and the history of race, because we all know so much about it, but we've never really done the research. So I'd say mm-hmm. uh, watch different podcasts. Um, like for instance, uh, my my sister has a podcast. Um, um, she can be uh, a bit hard to digest sometimes, especially for uh, people who aren't black, um, white people in particular. Mm-hmm. It can be a little bit hard to digest sometimes, but uh, you know her. Uh, she's you know her you know her uh, stuff. Uh, China Fox. Um, she's a uh, part of an organization. Yeah. She's one of the founders of the OACs called the Omni African Collective. Uh, also, there's a guy. I'll post links to all of this that we talk about in the show notes, so you don't have to be perfect in remembering them. Okay, and the, um, another guy. There's a, there's a, there's quite a few that that are really not coming to my mind right now. Uh, yeah, you had mentioned but, earlier Diallo Kenyatta. Yeah, Diallo Kenyatta. He's a very bright dude. He's very well learned. Um, and um, he's got some really good stuff online. Um, um, so, you know, doing the research, doing the reading the books, read the, mm-hmm. read the autobiography of Malcolm X, read, um, read some um, Bobby E. Wright. He's a, uh, uh, a black psychologist who was very prominent in the late 60s and 70s. Um, and one of the things that he taught if I'm not mistaken, he introduced the idea of menticide, which is the destruction of a people's mind. Um, And that's what we're victims. Black people are victims of menticide um, to the point where we've, we've forgotten our culture. We, we, we're completely reprogrammed and we're wondering why we're eating all the wrong foods. We're, we're practicing things that have nothing to do with our culture and yeah. we're like, man, why are we crazy? Well, first of all, we are, you know, we're, we're messed up. Uh, you know, somebody might be listening to that. Well, how could he say that? Well, we are. I've, I've lived around black people all my life. We're, we are messed up. We have issues. Um, you know, um, and uh, you know, some of us are over-sexualized, over-hyper-aggressive, hyper uh, you know, um, there's a lot of things going on, right? And um, I could get into it. I don't have any notes in front of me though. But uh, once you once you educate yourself, you do some some research on black scholars and the history of racism in in America, the history of racism across the world, um, in in every single country. Once you do that type of research, once you self evaluate, then then you have to constantly self evaluate. Then you do the research. Then you take some action. Okay, you 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 know the least you can do is is post your opinions 
um, on social media. Talk to friends in person. Um, you know, you can also uh, uh, vote, especially in your local elections. I think I think most, That's if not all, pre yes, I think all presidential elections are rigged. Um, I'm not saying <laughs> don't vote for president, right? But you know, I think uh, I think um, just just as uh, just like when when Bush got elected the first time, it was rigged. Just like when Obama got elected, it was rigged. Just like when Trump got elected, it was rigged. You know, that's just the last three, right? So I just think local politics are a lot more important. So mm -hmm. you want to affect change. You get those racists out of office. You know, the people that are making, um, I saw this clip and I wish I had to look this up. There was a guy, a black man who had no priors no prior arrest, no um, uh, no prior conviction, no no um, criminal history is what the word I was looking for. Um, he he got caught uh, with a certain amount of drugs, um, and then there was a white dude got caught with a similar amount of drugs, same classification, same crime. They went into the same court the same day several hours apart one guy got 12 years one guy got a year probation you know and i and you know i'm thinking all across the board in every yes, single crime right so i'm i i couldn't really look into it i mean i i, I mean i guess i could have uh every uh, all that type of stuff is public record but what they said was that the the black kid had a public defender the white kid had a private lawyer, a mm -hmm. big shot, high power lawyer. And that's the difference, money. Mm -hmm. Can you afford a lawyer? Oh, no. Well, you you get a worse sentence then. Bam, gavel, 12 years. Like, mm -hmm. whoa, whoa, man, what's going on here? You know, and, and we know it's about that. So take action. If you see stuff like that going on in your city, you know, speak out about it um that judge shouldn't be sitting there anymore you know but oftentimes it's not the um the the position of the judge who lays down the sentence it's actually the da that actually makes the, the right the right. deal and things like yes, that and, yes certainly you know, certainly even if they had even if they both had a public defender you know from the state right chances yeah. are you know, the white person would have gotten away with less. I mean, it's right. all across the board. And that happens. Yes. It's, it's not always the fact that, you know, he had a better attorney. It's Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's sad. Mm -hmm. That's really sad. That's really sad. But that's what we're dealing with. That's the kind of, that's the kind of beast we're up against here, man. And, um, yeah, but just take action, you know, in, in your community. Um, uh, also, you know, um, I recently um, kind of had a paradigm shift about certain things. Um, like, it, it really used to bother me, and it kind of still does, when I see a, a black kid with their pants hanging off their butt, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but what I started doing, and I need to do it more consistently, 
was carrying a few belts in the car. If you offer one of those kids a belt, they're going to put it on. They, they're not going to be offended. A lot of them are walking around holding their pants up because they don't have a damn belt. So I've given out dozens of belts, literally, you know, I should have given out hundreds because just because they don't have the proper fitting clothes. Now, mind you, some of them are like that style, you know, they got it just mm -hmm. hanging just perfect. But anyway, like we look at people's, we look at the way people look and we judge them based on that. Not just their skin color, their style of clothing, uh, uh, the way the way they wear their clothing, you know, the the things that they do. But um, I had a boss when I was working at the uh, this library in the south suburbs out here in Chicago, uh, and she told me to consider the source. Okay, when you when you look at some when you when somebody's acting a certain way, you gotta you have to consider the source. Why are they acting that way? I had a guy come in to the come in and he was really irate and he was really angry and he was being bossy and I was I was like oh, just give me one moment let me go get my supervisor she came out and she talked to him after she finished talking him down she told me hey his wife just died he's really going through something you know and and black people are going through uh PTSD you know, we're in a state of constant, um, one of the things is we're in a state of, uh, um, uh, this constant state of panic. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, uh, yes, yes, trauma. And, uh, and we have a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, um, and uh, where, where, where's my next, uh, where's my next meal coming from? Not not even mm -hmm. so literally because the food stamp program literally. here in America, yes, literally. But, but literally, but literally, right? Um, so you know, um, it's like, uh, and then we see people with so much. Um, like uh, you can drive ten minutes from where I'm at, and you're in a rich neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, drive back. You know, it's it's you're in the slums, ten minutes away. You know, mm -hmm. and and then that's not to knock anybody who's who's worked really hard to get where they are, and who's climbed the ladder of capitalism and done everything right and gotten their education, because you know, um, it's like they say, if you perform well in capitalism, you deserve to get rewarded. But I always say, food is free. Everything that God wanted us to have already exist here on this earth so anything else is just a social const construct or, or, or uh, social mores man and, and and it's like um you beat down on somebody for not having money fiat currency and if you're not, and and you know I've, i have a college education um i um you know i have tons of experience ex-military there's been times in my life when I've been looked at as a, 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 as not worthy and looked at as somebody who was a vagrant or a miscreant. And 
I'm looking at it like, whoa, just because I don't have nice clothes on, I'm, I'm worthless, huh? You know, so, you know, that, that goes across the board. You see somebody who, who hasn't shaved or maybe they smell bad and you're like, oh, you're a horrible person. You know, I, I work with the, uh, I work with the organization that goes out and we, we feed the homeless. We, we, um, we offer them clothes. We, we have a nurse on, we, we, I drive a bus. We have a nurse on the bus. We have counselors on the bus and, and we try to help people. And some of the people that I work with aren't the nicest to our clients. And, um, that's the hardest part of my job is to see them talk to those people not so nice. So we're out there every single day. And, and what I'm trying to show them through my action and the way I personally interact with those people is that just because you're in a bad situation doesn't mean you're a bad person. Right. You know, and, and I grew up in a house, um, my parents, and I think you know something about this kind of life. Uh, my parents were both addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. So I learned firsthand that just because you're doing drugs, just because you're strung out, doesn't mean you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. My parents were loving. They were everything. And they eventually got off of the stuff. But I learned from watching my mom and my dad do drugs and then teach me math and feed me and teach me how to fix computers and sing to me. So I made that connection without even realizing it, that just because you're in a bad position, just because you're at the bottom, doesn't mean you're not trying, right? So I guess that's, I'm trying to tie that into the taking action part and self-evaluating also, is that just because you see these people out there riding in loom doesn't mean they're bad people. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's a it's it's a bit of opportunism. Um, it's a bit of um, um, anger, a lot of anger. Um, but they're not bad people. You know, you probably got preachers and everything out there stealing bottles of hands. Exactly. <laughs> we tried. You tried the peaceful route. Right. 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 And everybody, right. you know, bashed Colin Kaepernick for, you know, right. that. And he wasn't right. being patriotic. Right. And, you know, I think we are spoon-fed our history in school, and we take that as gospel. And right. we don't realize yes. that, you know, you can't put the, you can't study the entire history in a small school year, first of all. So yes, it has right, to be definitely. condensed. And second of all, it's whitewashed. Yes, the Bible's yes, whitewashed. I, yeah, school definitely. Whitewashed. You know, definitely. it's all in the favor of certain people. And it's just so frustrating. So we have to do a lot of research. We can't take what we learned in school and just run with it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I, I know it all. You know, I got it. All right. Right. Yeah, I, I passed the I, test. I'm good. I got an A in that class. Right. Yes. I know all about American history. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I learned about I learned about Martin Luther King. I know everything about 
black people, <laughs> you know? Exactly, right. It was Dr. And, King and, and it was Malcolm is, X. That's it. <laughs> and the thing is, is, you know, I have two teenagers and, you know, helping them do their homework in school, there's so much spent on, you know, like Revolutionary War and the Civil War, but not even the underlying things of the Civil War, you know? It's like, oh, the Civil War, yeah, we freed the slaves. We're good. We that's won. That's it. Boom. You know, that's yeah. it. But you know, there's so little spent on how the slaves even got here. You know, I mean, the, the miniseries Roots is what, eight hours long, 10 hours long? Right. right. Watch that. Watch that, and that's it. Watch oh my that. goodness. Man, you know, I, I, I found that when I was a kid, um, I didn't realize it, but they set us down, I was in third grade, and, and and had us watch Roots. Now the, the teachers that did it and the principal, they I believe in my heart they had every good intention by showing us mm -hmm. that, and they were trying to educate us on some of our history. But it began it began it begins to paint our history with a broad stroke, and it um and it insinuates that that's where our history starts at, right at slavery, mm -hmm. you know, and then and then most yeah. Of them, yeah, most people don't even look. Back, back beyond that, especially black people. There's, there's become this divide between black Americans and blacks all over the world. You know, mm -hmm. if you call uh, uh, a Nigerian black, he might say, I'm not black, I'm Nigerian. So it's like, we don't even feel like we're related. You know, uh, I obviously have like a, uh, of, but uh, isn't that a good thing that they're not no. trying to divide? I mean, it's almost like going to Europe and, you know, me meeting somebody of the same skin tone as me and I'm saying, oh, I'm Italian. And they say, oh, well, I'm Scottish. You know, it's not like I'm white. You're white. Right. You know? I, yeah, I can see that. Well, the problem with, I think the, the problem is not a Nigerian being proud of being Nigerian, I think the problem is more so black people in America, black Americans, just to use the term um, that's most accepted, um, are, don't have a home. So we don't, we identify with slavery and that being the start of our history. And we've been tossed aside by other Africans or other people with African descent. So even they look down upon black Americans. So we can't say somebody from Nigeria can look at their history. I mean, theoretically back a thousand years or more, you know, dozens of dozens of generations where I can only look back three or four. And I'm pretty sure I could do some better research, but, Mm -hmm. that's the typical story. You know, your grandmother, maybe your great grandmother, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, you, it could be definitely a positive thing. And I, I wouldn't knock any certain African country for being proud of being African, but I just think we need to be more as black Americans, be more in tune with our history before slavery. And we can't just start there. 
and that's that's important. That's important research for uh, so-called Black Americans to do is know our history because a lot of these kids walking around with their pants hanging down just don't know their history. They don't know who they are, and they don't have belts. <laughs> <laughs> so can you touch on um the issue of white savior versus white ally and how we as people who identify as white or everybody actually can can navigate through that and not be offensive and you know be an ally without trying to um or just be an ally in general? How can we be an ally and not have the title of white savior? Uh, that, that is, um, that's a great question. Um, and, okay, first thing that comes to mind is that black people, when they see a white person, there's always the presumption of guilt. They see a white person and that person, that white person is automatically racist just because they're white. Mm -hmm. And um, even if they're trying to help, even if they're saying all the right things, there's gonna be this air of, yeah, yeah, you, you're saying all the right things, but you don't know my struggle. You don't know what's going on. So it's like, I just feel like it's like a, um, a child, not to, you know, diminish the greatness of any people down to a child. But when you, when you first meet a child, you don't go and start tickling them and picking them up the first time you meet them, right? You say, hey, how's it going, you know? And you develop that trust. You know, um, and the same thing, like uh, like I was saying, I go out on an outreach bus uh, five days a week, interact with the people in the poor community, homeless populations and things like that. And I've been there, I've only been there two months, but now I'm just now starting to get the trust of those people. You know, I just can't just jump straight in and say, all right, y'all trust me, tell me everything, tell me all your deepest, darkest secrets. I'm, I'm your ally, man. Come on. You know, I know you've never seen me before, but, you know, I'm here to help. You see, I got some food here. Now, trust me, even though, you know, I'm, I'm black, they recognize, even though I'm a little fair-skinned, they, you know, when they see me, they're like, you know, hey, brother, you know. So I've done nothing to, I've done nothing to make them mistrust me, but there's also when somebody in an official position, whether it's an outreach bus or a cop or whatever, they're, they're going to be looked at with scrutiny, black or white, red or green, right? You're coming, they're going to look at you with a side eye, um, but especially white people. So we have um, one of the nurses, well, both, all three of the nurses that, have, that I've gone out with are all white. So we're coming during COVID-19, coming to their community 
administering medicine and handing out food, right? A lot of people are very skeptical of that. Mm -hmm. They're like, mm, okay, and then you got this white nurse on here. Is this Tuskegee all over again? Right, right. What are y'all trying to give us? It's like, mm -hmm. y'all doing, are y'all doing COVID tests? I'm like, no, we're not doing any COVID tests. Uh, okay, y'all want, you know, some people who are newer to the program, they'll say, do I need an ID? Because they don't want to go through it. They don't want to give you their information. Oh, oh okay. I, I could just get some. It's free. Okay, I don't need an ID. All right, I'll take it. Because they're skeptical. And mm -hmm. like like you said, we, we, we're going through PTSD. So we, we're, we're dealing with that, that, that mistrust. And, and we're dealing with uh, fear, even though, I, I, I've never heard a black man say he was afraid. No, nobody that, I mean, I really cannot remember in my entire life hearing a black man say, I'm scared. Because there's this pride thing, right? I mean, it might just be a machismo, it might be a call across the board that men in general are, you know, but there's that fear. We have fear too. We're afraid of the police. You know, people, instead of saying, I'm afraid, they'll say, yeah, I was a little nervous, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't right. scared, right? You know, <laughs> everything's all good, baby. But he had a gun to your head. I still wasn't scared. I mean, I was sweating and shaking, but you know, I wasn't scared, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so, yeah, but, but we're, we're, we have that, that angst that, um, and then there's a, there's a resentment towards white people. So we, a lot of black people, and I went through it in my youth, I assumed and I was told that white people don't love me. They don't care about me. So I had to go out there and meet some white people. So I could say, wait a minute, man. This guy's not so bad, right? And, and mm -hmm. a lot of, especially a lot of the youth haven't done that. They might have had one, one, a teacher here or there that they liked that was white, but they probably never met a police officer that they liked that was white. Um, so you, you still have that skepticism and, and um, the, it's, it's a foreign, white people are foreign to us. And, and I think that's for both sides. You've seen the movies, uh, like uh, white people have seen the movies, they've seen the news clips, They've read the stories, they've heard the stories, but have you ever slept in a black person's house? You know, have you ever been to the cookout? Have you, you know, been around black people outside of work in any form or fashion? And I believe the answer to that would be some, some yes, but many of them no. You know, yeah, I have a black friend, I have a black coworker. No, that's not enough. You know, uh, watching my, uh, uh, what's that, Tyler Perry movies, does not give you a, a clear representation of what black people are and, 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 mm -hmm. and who we are. Yeah, so. Um, and even for uh, myself, you know, my dad is your grandfather. Yes, yes. But the way that we both grew up is worlds apart. Absolutely. By the time my, I came along and by the time my dad came in, to my well 
by the time he, my dad got to be in my family. Yeah. Or created my family. I'm not sure how to word it. Anyway, he had already appropriated himself into the white culture. I mean, he was hanging out with, you know, white Jews and white Italians and, you know, the whole the white section. And then he moved into the American Indian section. So he had completely abandoned his black history yeah, to the point wow. where when we were growing up, he didn't even tell us that he was part black. Wow. You know, he wow. said, oh, Amazing. my mom was a dark skinned Indian. And I don't know who my dad was. But then right. when we did research, you know, we researched it and it was like, no, you were black. <laughs> so, you know, we grew up with, we didn't even get to grow up with any of that culture. And, you know, the way we grew up is he completely denied his, his history and his background and his ancestry. And wow. so my brother and I started doing research for it. So, you know, I, we don't even have that commonality. Right. And that's it. And, and I believe he did that for a, re, a good reason. I think it's uh I think it's shameful that he did it, but he got he got rewarded. He got rewarded for that. Well, he um, saw an opportunity and saw that if he claimed that he was American Indian, he might get more disability because he kept getting shut down as a black man, being in the army, having shrapnel in his back, having war injuries from Korea. They kept shutting him down and he kept getting put on the bottom of the list. So he said well, you know what? I'm light enough that I can probably pass for an American Indian. Let me change my heritage and see if I can move on up. Mm. Yeah, yeah well, with, have, with having that shrapnel in his back too, and that probably, uh, I mean, I'm almost certain that that led to his opioid addiction and his drug addiction. Absolutely. You, know, you start off Absolutely just taking it, it for pain mm -hmm. and you end yeah. up just taking it just to feel normal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my biggest memories of him were, you know, him laying on the couch all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, there's such a huge disparity between, you know, the cultures, and we just have to figure out how to close that divide. Yes, I agree. And And familiarizing yourself with the with both sides would help doing that. And like I said, there's there's really not a lot we can, we, I mean, like I said, we could talk for 10 hours about it. Um, mm -hmm. And well, oh, oh, there's another thing. Um, you should, you know, like I said, do the, do research and, and look into those black scholars because I might know a little bit and, I know mostly my experience. I've done some research, but there are so many phenomenal black historians um, and and black organizations. And I'm not talking about the whitewashed NAACP, even though they do some good. Um, but like a lot of new organizations that are springing up, I only feel comfortable talking about uh, my sister's organization whereas she might be a little brash sometimes um, and, and hard to digest, especially for, uh, for white people. Um, she has the right mindset and the right intentions for black people. 
all across the world, not just black Americans. You know, she right. wants equality. She wants us to, and, and, and that being said, her, um, her fiance, Christopher Marshall is a real scholar. You know, he's, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's got so many books that sometimes, you know, sometimes he'll read a book in one day. Sometimes it'll take him four years to read a book because he just needs to digest that first half. But, you know, and that's the kind of scholar he is. So you definitely want to be in tune with those type of scholars. Find your own. Um, take my suggestion, but maybe you need something a little more palatable. Uh, so just find that it for you and familiarize yourself with the more um, educated people um, who aren't just speaking out of anger, they're speaking out of facts. And uh, emotions are important, but you, you want to have balance. So your emotions should be back with facts and your facts should be rooted in the right types of emotions. Um, I have a quote from uh, Malcolm X here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you live in a poor neighborhood, you are living in an area where you have poor schools. When you have poor schools, you have poor teachers. When you have poor teachers, you get a poor education. When you get a poor education, you can only work in a poor paying job. And that poor paying job enables you to live again in a poor neighborhood. So it's a very vicious cycle. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I was just talking to one of my coworkers and we said a good start. And, and I, and I kind of hinted on it earlier, a good start would be free healthcare for all mm-hmm. and fair schools for all, you know, because right now, like, like uh, Malcolm X uh, said, um, if you live 10 minutes away from here, your school has 10 times the amount of funding that my school here in Harvey, Illinois. So if you drive to Orland Park or Tenley Park, which is just 10 minutes west of here, right? you, you get a completely different education. That should be mm-hmm. illegal. It should be yeah. illegal for them to have a, a middle school lacrosse team. And, I, and my kids can't even get books. You right. know, it should be illegal. It should be a crime. So, you know, um, and a lot of that comes from private donations and things like that. And I just believe like, oh yeah, and the tax dollars from that area, it's a higher income area. They receive more tax dollars. Therefore, their schools are better. That's a crime, you know? So healthcare and schools, if we could do that, then we could talk about reparations. But they're not Did giving the us school not do desegregation anymore where they bus into different areas? Uh, uh, there's a little bit of that. It's mostly, it's mostly, um, well, like, let's say, like the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago, um, Chicago public school system does some of that. So you'll mm-hmm. see some of those kids on the south side going to schools downtown and things like that. But when, as soon as you hit the suburbs, there's none of that. If you live in that that area, you go to that public school. That's it, unless you have a different address. So mm-hmm. if you live in Harvey, you go to a Harvey school. If you live in Tinley Park, 10 minutes down the road, or Orland Park or Schaumburg, you go to a Schaumburg school. So it's, it's um, 
it's definitely um, some of that going on in Chicago, the city itself, and probably a lot of different cities around the country. But once you're in the suburbs of Chicago, you can't go to those schools. There's no way, no way. Mm -hmm. And if you do, um, I just enrolled my son in a school in Tinley Park, and um, the process was relatively painless, but we were met with some skepticism. When there's this new kid joining the, the Thompson household in Tinley Park, you know, we got some side eyes. And, oh, right. you guys all live in the same house, huh? Oh, it's a two-family household. Yeah, why not? He, yeah. he did it. He owns a house in Tinley Park. Why can't I live with my brother and my kids go to your rich school? <laughs> exactly. And I know for Atlanta City Schools here, there was a few years ago, they got in trouble for doctoring up uh, test scores. Because there's incentive. If you do better on test scores, your school will get more funding. So, you know, these were in the poorer areas. Wow. And they doctored the test course, they got caught. But I mean, this is the kind of stuff that people have to resort to in order to be able to get books and funding for right. their schools. Or otherwise, they're going to just fall through the cracks. How do you stop that and cycle? So it should be because it should be straight across the board that all schools are taught the same. And they think that they are, but they really aren't. And I think that's why a lot of people are resorting to homeschooling and they're resorting to online school because at least in online school, you can live in the suburbs or you can live in the projects and you'll still get the same education. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, people don't realize the things that, that have to be resorted to in order to try and level the playing field. And that's, that's just so crazy to me. Um, okay, if you guys want better funding, you better be smarter. Right. And if you're not smarter, you don't get better funding. So you don't get new books. You don't get new desks. So get smarter before we give you the funding. But some of that funding is necessary to get smarter. It's a catch-22. Exactly. It's, it's and it's not even a matter of them being smarter. It's just a matter of them being able to pass the test. Right. Testing ability. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they started teaching to the test almost yes. as as soon as school started and the kids were so overstressed it was just constantly you know my the kids were worried about i gotta pass this test i gotta pass this test you know it's right. all about the test and it was ridiculous i'm glad you pointed that out that being smart has mm -hmm. nothing to do with test taking abilities um, exactly you know you could be the smartest kid in the world and flunk a test because you don't you didn't practice that style of question right. answering you know yeah, wow. Mm. It's just different retaining, and, and it's different ways of learning. You might be a visual learner. I might be an auditory learner. And, you know, when the classes are so packed full, mm. you can't teach to a way that a child learns, and then they become a behavioral issue. Yes. And then add on top of that, you're in a poor area. You're not eating the foods that you should be eating. So you're eating a lot of processed stuff, a lot of sugar stuff. Your brain is not functioning to its optimal level. And now again, you're a behavioral issue. Wow. I could go on. For yes. Days with this yes, we can definitely can. Stuff. Definitely yeah. can. Yeah, here, sit in this chair for eight hours. If you can't sit in this chair for seven, seven hours, you're you need medication or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get with the program, kid. 
you know, I've heard it all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then we're feeding them sugar-laden cereal. And, you know, a lot of times that's the only food that they get is when they're in school. Um, another quote from Malcolm X. I just printed out a few mm -hmm. of them. You know, he says, you get your freedom by letting your enemy know that you'll do anything to get it. Then you'll get it. It's the only way you'll get it. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, the, the senseless looting. Yeah, I get I get it. Um, the anger, I get it. Um, we could be a lot more organized. Uh, but when you're when you're pissed and you're fed up, you're fed up. And then if you see somebody going, if you're just driving past, you didn't have any intentions of stealing anything that day. And you see people getting thousands of dollars worth of free stuff. You just might be inclined to join in. <laughs> Yeah. And, gra and go grab some yourself, even if you're not a protester, even if you're not somebody who speaks out, you know, you're like, okay, what, free stuff? Yeah, uh, let me get some of that uh, right now. Right. right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, so we should be mad. We should be pissed. We should be speaking out. We should be burning the right things, you know, but right. you know, some of the behaviors and the direction and the lack of organization is questionable. But hell yeah, we should be mad. Everybody should be mad. Well, and I saw on Facebook, there were quite a few of organized protests, you know, and they had set out with the intention to, you know, peacefully protest and protest quietly and, you know, sit in or kneel in or whatever. But there was also, you know, some people that were sent in to instigate. Oh, wow. I've seen some of that too. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. My, oh my, oh my. Right. Wow. And I mean, there's videos going around. I can't remember what city it was in, but there were two white girls who were defacing a Starbucks. I just watched that. Yeah. Yeah. Putting Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter on it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not just people of color who are doing this. Yeah. Yeah. There's other people who are trying to make it worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anything else you want to offer? I mean, like I said, I know we could go on forever and ever, but I definitely right. wanted your point of view. And, you know, I felt it was important to, to have you on. Well, I just want to, you know, thank you for bringing me on. And uh, I'm happy to have you in my life now. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, we should talk more. It was a pleasure meeting you uh, for the first time down in down in uh, yeah, it was just a year ago in Georgia, down in Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been so long. It's been too long. Um, mm -hmm. So you need to come up and visit as soon as possible. Um, yeah, yeah, as soon as but, yeah, over. right, right. As soon as the outside opens back up, huh? Uh, but 2020 uh, is shaking shit up. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> but in a way, I think it's a good thing because I think it's. Honestly, from my point of view, and I could be wrong, and you can call me out on my shit if I'm wrong, but, you know, I think with the coronavirus and the, um, the quarantine, I yes. think that it kind of softened us a little bit and made us a little bit more human. And then when this mm. happened, maybe that gave us the opportunity to open our eyes a little bit more and to see, because, you know, the quarantine and COVID affected everybody worldwide. 
So yes. we were kind of brought together. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, this is happening in the United States or, oh, this is happening in China, so I can just avert my eyes to it. So I think it kind of drew us all together. And then when George Floyd was murdered, you know, we were already kind of joined together. So I think this mm. might have unified the forces a little bit more, which is why I think we're seeing so many states protesting as opposed to just Baltimore or just Flint or just, right. you know, Minneapolis. Right. You know, there, last I heard, there were at least 33 states that were protesting. So, you know, I think, right. I think it's unified. Yeah. And then also, I, I agree. I agree with you. And also, social media is, is now more of a profound tool than ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe people were more tuned in to their devices than ever. So that was another yeah. unifying thing. We got unified by COVID and now we're just sitting at home on our phones all day more than ever. We got more right. time on our hands. So even the people who wanted to protest the last time we, we uh, quote unquote, springed into action in a reactionary way, which uh, that kind of bothers me, how reactionary we are instead of being pissed off all year round we should we should wish we should be and and i fear that two weeks from now nobody's going to care again that, that that bothers me but last time there was a lot of people who said man i wish i could be out there because mm -hmm. i because but i gotta work well guess what you're on unemployment those same people are on unemployment now so they're like oh what word they look on their phone oh they're right down the street i'm going you know yeah. so they 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 they've been more connected, have more time on their hands. It's, like you said, 2020 is just like the perfect, like the perfect storm for this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope, I, I hope for all the good and none of the bad, but some of the good might look bad and some of the bad might look good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. Know. yeah, I think it's definitely opened our eyes to, to stop, you know, to look beyond this. Yes. Here. Yes, yes. How, how our actions affect people. So, yeah. But like I said, I'm going to list in the show notes, um, you know, the different resources that you provided. I have a whole other list of resources. Awesome. Um, you know, and I, I want to do another episode where we name off everybody that has been murdered because we can't forget about them. Let's do it. That's a great episode. Yeah. That's a great episode. It's going to be like 17 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> How far back do we go? Right. 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 You know, with social media, I think too, it's, it makes everything so, so quick. You know, it like it happens, it happens, it happens, and then it fizzles out and we forget. You know, we forgot right. about Ahmad. We forgot about Eric Garner. We right. forgot about Michael Brown and, you know, right, right. Um, uh, Botham Jean and yes. Breonna Taylor and um, oh my goodness yeah you know so they they quickly fizzle out and right you know, I think you know we need to like keep them on the forefront of our mind until we indeed rectify so hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah well thank you so much I'm so glad that you came on with me oh thank you for having Thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, goodness. This was good. Thank you. Yes.
Okay. Thank you.